All right, let's start with a word of prayer tonight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dream Father, we come. We're thankful for tonight. We're thankful for the food we ate. We're thankful for uh, the fellowship of a church. We're thankful for the word of God. I pray, Lord, that we uh, have ears and minds and hearts to hear and to respond to the truth of your word. I, I know it's important. I know uh, this is what you've called for us to do, to study your word, to take it in, uh, to grow as disciples. I pray for our kids classes tonight, and what an important thing to have a foundation that is stacked. And so I pray tonight they have fun, I pray they have a good time, but most importantly, I pray that they have a foundation that is stacked upon, uh, that is built tonight, a, a foundation that will endure. I pray for our youth tonight, the same prayer, Lord, I pray as, as there is a world that would snatch them away and would snatch the truth away from them. Lord, I pray uh, for the truth to go in and that they can understand it. Uh, that it becomes their heart and their mind, and I pray uh, that they have a, a foundation to stand upon that will last as well. I pray for us as adults tonight and in all of our adult classes, uh, I pray that we hear from you, that you lead, that you direct, and that we're built up uh, tonight in the study of your word. We're thankful for this opportunity. Uh, we pray in Christ's name, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, tonight we're gonna move along in our study, the grand scheme of things, uh, we're moving all the way from Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, seeing Christ, seeing Jesus in the story of Scripture. We are now moving along uh, really in the life of Jesus and really now the ministry of Jesus. This is lesson number 70. It is entitled, Follow Me, Jesus Calls His Disciples. Uh, Follow Me, Jesus Calls His Disciples. Our key verses tonight, if you have your worksheet, Matthew chapter 4 verses 18 through 22. Another gospel than we were in last week, uh, just a small segment of verses, Matthew chapter four, verses 18 through 22. I'm gonna go ahead and read those verses uh, here at the start and then we'll come back and we'll break them down and look at them. All right, Matthew four, beginning in verse 18 says this. Now, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. All right, that's the set of verses. The key point tonight, uh, as Jesus continues his preaching and teaching ministry, that is uh, what he's doing. He's declaring who he is, uh, validating that using scripture, signs, miracles. He is preaching and teaching. He does an unexpected thing. Uh, he calls others to serve with him in his cause. Now, I want you to think about that. Uh, promised has been the coming Christ, uh, the Savior for mankind, he has now come. He is identifying himself as the Christ. What a weird thing that he would call folks to help him. You'd think he's got it covered. He's got it in control. Uh, why would he need anybody, any person to serve in his mission? So it's an unexpected thing. Uh, very early on in his ministry, he starts to call uh, these disciples to walk with him to serve his cause. These disciples will be witness to the unfolding of the gospel of our salvation. They're gonna see 
uh, his ministry. They're going to see his declarations of being the Messiah. They're going to see his sinless life. They're going to hear his teaching. Uh, most importantly, they're going to see his death uh, for sin and for sinners, his burial and his resurrection. So they're actually going to see uh, the gospel as it, as it unfolds. Then they're going to be charged with testifying to this gospel uh, to a world that's lost in sin. So a weird thing, he calls these folks to join him in his mission, uh, and, then, and then they're going to be called to testify uh, to that gospel to a, a world that's lost. Think about some, some big things right here. Jesus is the Savior. He's the Savior. Uh, in his work on the cross, sin is paid for. Forgiveness uh, is made available to sinners. And God's grace through the cross, the, 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 the work of Christ, is extended to sinful people. Uh, that is the reason that he came. Uh, he says to seek and to save that which is lost. That's the reason that he came, and that's what he did. That's the mission that uh, Jesus carried out. Some folks always uh, talk about or debate, well, what was Jesus doing? Uh, was he here to take care of the poor? Was he here to heal all the sick? Uh, if that was his mission, now he does do those things. Those things would have been completed when he ascends to heaven. He came to go to the cross to pay for sin, uh, to be able to offer forgiveness and his righteousness to sinners and then ascend and go to heaven. So what he came to do he did it. And so that mission is met in Christ. Now think about this. However, the question then becomes, how will other people hear about that? How will other people in other areas hear about that? How will people in other uh, generations far removed from the actual event, how are they going to trust in the good news of the gospel? Now think about that. How are they going to hear about the life and the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus 50 miles away, 200 miles away. What about 2,500 miles away? What about 2,500 miles away 200 years later? 200 years later, how are they going to hear about that? Uh, 2,000 years later, how are they going to hear about that? Well, here's the deal. God has a plan, and his plan is this. He's going to raise up a group of witnesses who would testify to these events. And so how's the world going to know? Uh, he's going to raise up a group of folks that are going to watch, that are going to see, that are going to be able to testify to these events. Uh, on those testimonies, uh, the gospel is going to go out and people are going to have the opportunity to hear and to trust in our Savior, uh, Jesus. Through their testimony, uh, we have the gospel. Our New Testament is actually the written record of their testimony. So God has a plan. Uh, he's going to raise up these people. They're going to be witnesses, and then they're going to be able to testify to the gospel. All right, as we begin, before we even get to the verses, I want you to think for a second, what if these men were never called? What if they were never trained? Or what if they were not dedicated to this mission? And, and I want you just to think about that for a second. Uh, these guys were never called, they were never trained, they were never dedicated to this mission. Uh, how long would the account have remained intact? Which means this, uh, somebody heard about it, somebody may have witnessed it, somebody saw the crucifixion and the resurrection. Uh, how long would it have been before somebody uh, changed that story or forgot part of that story or added something to that story? How long would it have remained intact? 
How far would it have traveled? It happens in Jerusalem. Would it have made it 20 miles? Surely it would have made it that far. Somebody goes and, and does business and says, hey, did you hear what happens in Jerusalem? Would it have made it 50 miles? Uh, how, how far would that circle have been? Would it, would it have made it uh, uh, 200 miles? How far would it be? And then how large would the group of people be who heard the good news and were able to respond in faith? And so when you think about that, if these folks do not exist, it becomes a very, very small group who are able to hear and respond to the gospel. It's going to be just those who happen to be right there and to hear it and to witness it. Here's what we see in that. In what God is doing here at the very front of this, of this ministry is showing us his desire is that many people would hear and believe and know and be saved by faith in Jesus Christ. And so sometimes we wonder, well, how many did he want? He, he goes to this great detail that the message goes out. His plan is that many people would hear that the gospel would go out, and that, and that many people would respond to Christ. So it's not some small thing. It's not some secret thing. His plan was always to blow the doors off and to, to spread it out and for there to be witnesses to it. All right, we're going to go through the verses now. Let's, let's go piece by piece through the verses. Starting in verse 18. Now as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. All right, the Sea of Galilee, uh, I think we hear that word, we think this giant sea, uh, it really is not that much of a sea uh, as much as it is a large lake. Uh, I went and looked up the, 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 the size of it. Uh, if you take the Sea of Galilee, it's roughly two times as big as Lake Kemp. And so it's a pretty big body of water, but it's not a giant, giant body of water. There's a lot of lakes in Texas that are bigger than the Sea of Galilee. And so uh, it, it is a, a big body of water, but it's really a large lake. Uh, it was a source of fish for many of the surrounding villages. Okay, so, so different places have different resources. This lake produces a lot of fish for the surrounding villages. Therefore, there are many commercial fishing operations that take place there. Uh, I was reading there were those that fished off the banks, uh, maybe casting something, throwing out a line. Uh, there were those that, that drug nets between boats and tried to catch a bunch of fish. And then there were those that, that threw out nets and then closed the net and pulled it up uh, in that manner. These, uh, it appears, would have been that type of fishermen casting out nets closing the net and pulling it up. Jesus is walking along. He sees Simon. Uh, remember the account? He'd already met Peter, uh, Simon. He'd actually given him his name, Peter. It said his name is called that. He's the one that actually nicknamed him that. That is in John chapter 1. He sees him and his brother Andrew. Uh, these brothers had already encountered Jesus, and they'd already uh, realized that he was the Messiah. I think sometimes we think those, that account and the account of being called as a disciple are the same account. Those are actually two different accounts. They had already encountered Jesus. They had already realized he's the Messiah. They had already gone to tell other people, hey, we found the Messiah. So this is another event. After their initial encounter with Jesus, they evidently had gone back to their careers and they were found fishing. So they had heard of Christ. 
They met Christ. They understood he is the Messiah. They had gone back to their, to their careers and their fishing. All right, verse 19. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus walks up. He sees them. They know who he is. He says, follow me. Understand this. This was not an invitation for salvation. Uh, they'd already professed that Jesus is the Christ. So it's not, a, it's not uh, an invitation to be saved. Uh, it, is a, it is a call to follow him as, as a disciple. Uh, Simon and Peter are going to be part of this group of 12, extended a special call to follow him in this role for this mission. Uh, John chapter 15, verse 16, talking about this, says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit. Uh, there are some folks that try to twist that and say that's talking about salvation. Uh, they had already recognized Jesus as the Christ. That's not talking about salvation. It's talking about for this mission. You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit. All right, verse 20. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. The word immediately means straight away, at once, without delay. Let me read verse 20 again. Without delay, immediately they left their nets and followed him. Verse 21. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. All right? Jesus is continuing to travel around. Uh, he sees uh, these other two brothers. He is going to add to this select group uh, that are going to become his disciples. Uh, James and John were also in the fishing industry. They are fishing with their father Zebedee. Um, a common part of their job would have been mending their nets. Uh, as they cast their nets and pull them up, uh, they would snag rocks. They could snag fallen trees. Uh, the, wets were all, the nets were always wet, and so they would uh, start to become weak. And so a common thing was to be fixing their nets. Uh, they are repairing their nets. Uh, notice here, these men also had previously acknowledged Jesus as the Messiah. That's recorded in John chapter 1. And so this is a call to service. He's not calling them to be saved. They've already recognized who he is. This is a call to service. So he goes, there's two more brothers. They're out there with their dad. They're fixing their nets. They're in the fishing business. And he calls them in the same way. Verse 22. Immediately, same word, without delay, at once. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. All right, that's the set of verses. Now let's talk about those verses for just a second. First thing we see is this, the call of Jesus. The call of Jesus to these disciples um, is very short. It is to the point, uh, and it's very clear. He says, follow me. Uh, he doesn't give them a sales pitch. He doesn't say, we're going to do these great things, and this, these things are going to happen, and it's going to be awesome. He doesn't convince them. He doesn't have a big sales pitch. He doesn't try to, to woo them in. He says, follow me. Uh, the Greek word for follow here, uh, we talked about this, I think, two weeks ago uh, on a different word, follow. The Greek word here for follow meant to follow as a disciple. 
The meaning was not proximity. So it doesn't say, hey, get in behind me and follow me. It's not proximity. It is position. Uh, I'm going to be the teacher. You're going to follow as a disciple. So that is the meaning in the Greek word. They would have understand that, understood that. So he says, follow me. That's the language. They would have understood that. I want you to see this. God was deliberate in whom he chose. Uh, in his wisdom, these were the ones that he decided these are going to be the best ones to hear the gospel, see the gospel, testify to the gospel, and then impact the world by testifying to that gospel. I want you to notice this. These were not priests. These were not scribes. These were not religious people. Uh, as far as, as, as religious clout goes, uh, these were just working class people. And you think, man, here's the Christ, the Messiah. Go to the temple and find a priest. Go to the temple Find a scribe that knows the word of God. Those are the folks that you're going to want to use. These are maybe not the ones somebody else would have picked. Uh, by all counts, these are normal working class guys. He goes out and those are the ones that he has decided are the ones that will fulfill this mission. All right, let me, let me tell you this, and we're going to kind of bounce back into, into our application. Today, God still calls people to follow him. He still calls people to follow him in, in ways of service as his disciples. It may be in different ways, but the, but the, the same imperative is still there. Uh, we are to follow Jesus first in salvation as his disciples, and then we're to follow him in service. I wrote out some questions just to think about and, and just think about these, and then we'll get back to moving. First thing is this. Do you think people have jealousy issues with the call of service of other people? And it's interesting. I think sometimes we always think, I wish I had that call. Oh, the missionary there, that's exciting. I wish I were that guy or the, or the person that has that calling. And for some reason, we always think somebody else's calling uh, is better or more useful than ours. I, I want to say this, and I, and, 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 God gifts us for the church. He gifts us for service through the church. Um, everybody's different. Everybody has a different personality, but we also have a different gifting. In this church, there are many things that go on, and there are many things that people, some folks will never even know they went on. Uh, when, when the church meets, you see me. On Wednesday night, you see me up here. On Sunday, you see me here. I, I like to tell people this. Our Wednesday night meal, let me just get very practical. Our Wednesday night meal, uh, when it happens, increases attendance by 30 to 40%. And that's a 14-year statistic. No Wednesday night meal, take 40% of the people. They're not coming. I don't know if they're busy or I don't know if they don't have time or if I don't, I don't know if they just want a free meal. I don't know what that is. When we started putting the meal in, people said, that's a gimmick. That's a gimmick. And my answer was this. It's a gimmick. You're right. We'll be 40% fuller on Wednesday with this meal. But let me tell you this. The last few weeks, we've seen some of our young folks make decisions. You know what that's come out of? The consistent teaching that we're going through on Wednesday night. And so I want to tell you this. There'll be people in heaven because somebody cooks spaghetti or somebody makes potato soup next week. And you know what? No one may, may add that together. Same way with our musicians on Sunday. You know what? There's going to be folks uh, that are, that are going to hear the gospel and make a response to the gospel. 
because somebody played the drums or somebody did something in the back that nobody saw. I think sometimes we think somebody's cause better than mine and everybody sees that. You know what? God's built us to serve his cause uh, through the church. Here's another question. Do you think there was the option to reject this call? Could they have said, man, my dad's got two boats and my brother's not going <laughs> to, I'm going to get some of, I'm going to keep working here. We've got a whole new fishing dig, gig lined up. Uh, they could have they rejected the call. Uh, when he says, follow me, uh, they can walk in obedience and follow him, but they could have very well said, you know what, I've got things to do. Remember the count, let me go bury my dead somebody that's about to die, and let me go take care of my ox that's somewhere else, and then I'll come get you then. Uh, the rich young ruler, well, this stuff's too good. I don't want to let go of it. They could have rejected the call. All right, let me ask you this. Do you have the same option? And the answer is, is this, yes. You know what, I'm too busy right now. You know what, when my kids get out of the house or when I get my retirement account where I want or, or whatever the deal, that's when I will serve. We have the same option. Here's a, here's a question, then we're gonna get back to moving. Why in the world would we ever do that? Why in the world would we ever do that? You know what, I'm not, I, I can't do it right now, but I might do it some other time. All right, so that's the call of Jesus. Very simply, follow me as a disciple. Uh, the, the next part is the response of his followers. Notice this, it's very easy to see. Both sets of brothers, upon hearing Jesus' call, they respond, here's what the Bible says, immediately. Now, that's kind of a crazy answer. Uh, the, the word translates straight away at once. And so Jesus walks up, they're out there working. He says, follow me. Immediately, they follow him. When you see their response, you have, to, you have to know their mindset is this. We've been looking for the Christ. We believe he is the Christ. And if he is the Christ and he's called us to serve with him, how in the world will we not serve him? That's the only reason they'd quit that fast. If we've been looking for the Christ and he is the Christ and he's called us to serve him as the Christ, we'd be crazy not to, 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 to serve with him him. In the account of Peter and Andrew, it says, and they immediately left their nets. Uh, it, from the context, it appears they actually let go of the nets and go in. They didn't say, boy, we've got a big day tomorrow. If we could get him to Friday, they let go of the nets. They immediately stopped what they were doing. In the account of James and John, it says they left the boat. I mean, that's how immediate that is. We're not even going to come park the boat. They left the boat, and then it says this, and even their father. They left Zebedee. And I, I started thinking about Zebedee. He evidently raised these boys to look for the Messiah. Now, these were evidently good Jewish people. But I wonder what Zebedee does. When the, when the two boys say, we're going in, and we're not, you got the boats, Dad, we're going in. I wonder, does he go, well, there goes my workforce. Well, there goes my future. Well, I, you can't get good labor at Galilee anymore. I've been looking. You can't find these guys. I raised them. Does, does he say, well, this isn't ever going to work out. I don't, I, we'll starve to death. I just bought that boat. We can't pay for it. Or does he go, go, go. Sons, go. Now, this is the Christ man. Don't wait here. Sink the boats. Go. I, I don't know what he does. I wonder what he does. These disciples are leaving their careers 
They're leaving their family businesses. They're leaving their security. Hey, we're going to eat next week. Well, they don't know what next week is now. And they're even leaving their families to follow Jesus. They're they're just dropping it. Uh, They must believe this is the Christ, and you'd be crazy not to go with the Christ. They they leave uh, and follow Jesus. Here's the next question. Do you think we, back to us, have a hard time following Jesus because we're trying to do it with a less than total commitment? Uh, Do you think we have such a hard time following Jesus because we're trying to do it with less than a total commitment? Yeah, I want to go to heaven. Yeah, I think my family would do better if we got into this system. But you know what? I got some things I need to do. I got some things I want to take care of. And I got some things I'm not ready to let go of. I, I like these things. And so we try to do it with a half commitment or, or some less than total commitment. Here's the next question. Do you think a person can follow Jesus with less than a total commitment? And I think we've been trained to say, well, it's just a half-hearted attempt. You'll get better later. You'll do the best you can. Uh, think about the verses. Take up your cross and follow me. Uh, it, it's really impossible to say, I'm going to follow Christ, but not all the way, just, just part way. These guys dropped what they were doing, left their boats, left their nets, left their dad, and went to follow Christ. All right, next thing we're going to look at, the mission of disciples. The mission of disciples. Here's a, a, a radical change in the thinking of, of what's going on in the account. Jesus introduces a new way of thinking about what it means to follow him as a disciple. Now, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. A a person would be someone's disciple, and they would say, this is a great teacher, and in their situation, a great Jewish teacher, and I want to know what he knows, and I want to know the scripture like he knows it, and I want to learn what he does, and so I'm going to, it actually means place yourself under them. I'm going to place myself under them, and I'm going to travel with them, and I'm going to sit with them, and I'm going to listen to them, and I'm going to discuss with them, and I'm going to take on uh, their wisdom. I'm going to try to take on uh, their understanding. I'm going to gain some information. That's what it was to be a disciple. Well, this is a completely different thing. They were not going to sit under Jesus to take on his way of thinking. Now, that was going to happen. It was going to change their heart. But now being a disciple of his was going to carry a different mission, a different purpose. It wasn't the gaining of information or knowledge. It was to find other people and lead them to Christ. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That's a a crazy statement. These are fishermen. They understand fishing. And he says, follow me and I'll make you a great learned scholar. Follow me and you'll know how the Old Testament's answered in me. It's not what he says. He says, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. Uh, They're going to take up Christ's mission and they're going to walk out in his mission. They're going to be dedicated to evangelism, leading people to Christ. It is a smart and and probably telling statement that he says, we're going to fish for men. Um, Here these guys are fishermen. And so he makes it plain and easy. We're going to be fishers of men. He doesn't say, we're going to go and try to use apologetics and tell them why this, and I'm going to match up the scriptures and try to answer. He says, we're going to go and fish for men. All right, I want you to think about what that means. Just a couple things. What does it mean to be a fisher of men? In their understanding when they hear it, 
the goal of fishing is to catch fish. Um, the goal of fishing is to catch fish. I always watch when y'all go, you always have pictures of a lot of fish. When I fish, I don't ever catch fish. Um, when you go fishing for a weekend or all day and catch no fish, you know what you did? You failed. You failed. So if you're going to be a fisher of men, you know what you're going to do? You're going to catch fish. Now, let me tell you about success in fishing is what? More fish. And so if you go on a three-day fishing trip and catch two fish, you might say, well, we got these two fish. But I, I think you're going to go, we, we needed 24 or 42 of these things. More fish is, is more better. It's a greater success. They understand that. The goal is to catch fish. The goal is to be successful in catching fish, uh, to, to catch more fish. Here's what you have to do. What they hear, you have to prepare to catch fish. Uh, when you go fishing, you got to get some stuff, take some stuff, go to a place, do some things. Um, <laughs> remember the old commercial? I, I won't tell you what it was for, but it was back in the 80s, and Randy White would pull up in his boat and say, fish, get in the boat. Fish would jump in the boat. That, that doesn't happen. Um, you got to prepare to fish. You got to think about fishing. Same way. Hey, we're mending nets. We're going to have to have a plan how to catch fish. The other thing is you had to be thoughtful in the means that you would use to catch fish. Are we going to try this method? Are we going to try a different method? So when he says we're going to be fishers of men, here's what he's saying. The goal is to catch fish, find fish, reach fish, uh, be prepared to fish, be thoughtful in how we're going to fish, and that is our mission. All right, bringing that to us today. Do we see our mission as fishing for men? Just like they're called specific. Now, we're not called to be apostles, uh, to be these 12, but we also have a call to follow Christ as a disciple. Uh, we're to go there for and, and teach, making disciples. We also have a call to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ, uh, making disciples, reaching them. And so we have Acts 1.8, uh, the Great Commission. We have other places as well leading us to to take up this same message, mission. All right, so here's how we're going to end tonight. Here's, here's how this all comes down to two places. Two things tonight. Here you sit. First thing is this. You are called to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You are called, and I can tell you without flinching, you are called to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. First thing is this. You have to accept Christ. By faith, receive Christ. That's the first step. Uh, the, you cannot be a disciple without being converted, without being saved. So the first thing is if you don't know Christ, you've got to receive Christ. But once you receive Christ, you're called to follow him as a disciple. That has not changed. You are called to follow Jesus as a disciple. Now, can't travel with him. I'm not going to have this opportunity they had. But you know what we can still have? His words, uh, his truth his message, uh, we can actually be his disciple by taking in the word of God, studying the word of God, memorizing the word of God, practicing the word of God, you can become a disciple of Jesus Christ. So you're called to be a disciple. What is that going to take? You're going to have to read the Bible, study the Bible, memorize the Bible, think about the Bible, be in a class like this where we study the Bible, be here on Sunday, hear the Bible preached. Uh, you're going to have to just take your own initiative to be a disciple. Um, that's that's going to have to be necessary. Um, to think you could do it apart from the Word of God is, is absurd. You're going to have to be consumed with taking in the Word of God. 
Here's another part of being a disciple. You're going to need to be with his people. Um, he calls them to a group of 12. These 12 are going to travel together, go together, stand together, fight together sometimes, but they're going to be in a people. Same way, you're going to be a disciple of Christ. You need to be with Christ's people. You're going to need to be with his people. Here's what we have in a group. Uh, we have encouragement. We have prayer. We have support. Uh, we have just sometimes a friendly face. It is better to move in a group. So you're called to be a disciple. You're going to have to take time to be in his word, to understand it, and you need to be around his people. So you're called to be his disciple. Are you going to do the things necessary to be his disciple, to walk as his disciple? They could have said, no, we've got a career. They could have said, no, we got a dad. They could have said, no, I got somebody in town I want to go see later. They drop everything to follow us. Second thing tonight we end is this. You are called to lead people to Christ. You are called to lead people to Christ. It is the same call and the same mission, and it's not just for some people. It's for any person who's put their faith in Jesus Christ. You are called to lead people to Christ. I, I think I, I've been reading for Sunday nights about Baptist history, and we're working on the sermons on what does it mean to be a Baptist. And one of the things by the 1500s, 1600s, they were fighting for the right to be a daily witness. And I'm like, man, fighting for the right. Don't, you can't rob me of that, uh, state government or, or giant church. You can't keep me from being a daily dis, uh, witness. I think the same thing for today. We have to have that mindset. We have to have those eyes. There are people at your job that do not know Christ. There are people in your family that do not know Christ. There are people on your street that do not know Christ. We have to be understanding our mission is to lead them to Christ. Well, maybe the preacher will get by. Maybe Monday night mission night will get by. You know what? Most likely we won't. Uh, most likely we're not going to cover that much ground. We're going to try. Um, the, the best thing is for us each as individuals to say, I'm going to lead people uh, to a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell them the good news of the gospel. I'm going to tell them by faith in Christ they can be saved. So here's the last question, to be very practical. How can we be deliberate in the attempt? If I'm going to be a disciple, and if I'm going to lead people to Christ, how are we going to be deliberate in the attempt? attempt? We have to do the things that would help us grow as a disciple, like tonight, and then we have to start thinking about, I'm going to try to talk to them about Christ. I'm going to pray about leading them to Christ, pointing them to Christ. Um, we have to be deliberate in the attempt. I, I talked to a, a, a guy, it's been about 15 years ago, a missionary, and he got on one of the, the missionary boards of our national convention, and they said, they go through this giant process to train missionaries, and they learn the foreign language, and they learn what the country's about, and they get all this stuff, and they get a giant education, and they spend about $200,000 back then training them to be a missionary. But then he said the last stop was his office, and he said, I asked him two things. And if you can't answer these two things the way he thinks, you're done. And the two questions were this. What is your devotional life like? Are you reading your Bible? Or are you praying? And so don't, I don't care about your education. Don't care what you know. Don't care who your grandmother was. If you're not reading your Bible, if you're not walking with Christ in that way, as a disciple, we're done here. Second thing is this, 
tell me the last person you led to Christ by name and tell me the story. And he said, with that, we had people that had spent six years training to be a missionary who had never actually led someone to Christ. And they would go, uh, 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 uh. And he would say, hey, maybe, maybe we need to practice what we're doing here before we send you somewhere else. Those things stand for us. We ought to be thinking about lost people. We ought to be praying about lost people. We ought to be ready to say, hey, I found hope in Christ. Let me tell you about the hope that I have and lead people to point people, lead people to Christ. We have to be ready to walk as a disciple. Here's the next question. So what steps do we need to take next? I can't answer that for you. What steps do you need to take next? Maybe I need to recommit. Hey, we're going we're gonna to be... Uh, involved in the life of the church. Hey, I'm going to find a place to serve in the church. I'm going to start reading my Bible, and I'm going to set a time every day. Whatever your next step is, here's the part that's, that's pretty good news. Whatever your next step is, you don't have to be embarrassed. You don't have to say, oh, I'm 28 years too late. You just say, I'm just going to take the next step. And so I, I look back and say, man, I wish I'd have started doing that 30 years ago. I wish I hadn't got off track and quit doing that. You know what you do? You draw a line and say, the next step. You know what we do? Take the next step. What steps do we need to take next? All right, that's where we're going to end tonight. Glad you're here tonight. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, I'll lead us in a word of prayer. We'll be dismissed. Glad you're here. Dear Father, we come. We're thankful for today. We're thankful for your word. We're thankful that you love us. We're thankful that you're not trying to kick us while we're down. You're not trying to grind us up not trying to shame us, not trying to guilt us, but you actually have the best way to live. And first off, it's in a relationship with you by faith in Jesus and his finished work of the cross of Calvary, not of any work that we would do. And I'm thankful for that. I praise you for that, that I can be forgiven of my sorry sin. I can be forgiven in Christ. I'm thankful for that, but I'm also thankful that you call us to grow in our knowledge of you and to draw closer in our walk with you and that you crazily invite us to share in your mission. And I, I pray that we'll be convicted about that if we need to be, but I pray we'll be encouraged in that. And I pray we leave tonight thinking, I, I know some folks I need to pray for, talk to, uh, spend time with to point uh, to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us in that. Lord, I pray again for all of our classes tonight. Pray for our kids, our youth, our adults. I pray that, that we are better tonight after hearing hearing your word. And I pray, Lord, that we're ready to take our next steps. We love you. We praise you. We worship you. We thank you. We exalt you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.